The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wander and Will Lomas. We are here to recap the Titans' Thursday night football victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I'll just start off by saying this. I have been the ultimate Derrick Henry. Uh, I don't even think cynic is the right term. I just I don't care for him as a player. And really, all three of us have kind of shared in that. But last night, Derrick Henry had one of the greatest individual performances, period, ever, in the sport that we all love. Yeah, it was just pure domination. Uh, it, it's not often you see uh, an, an NFL player just just bully the other the other team that's full of just athletic, huge physical specimens. Um, but Derrick Henry is, is in a league of his own. Uh, the reason we ever criticize him is because is, most of it is warranted. He just isn't very consistent. He hasn't been throughout his career. Um, and, and we get frustrated because then he pulls off something like this where he just completely takes over a game uh, and just wills your team to victory, uh, something that he hasn't really done all that often. In the NFL, he's had a couple of games um, I think in 2017 against the Colts, uh, and then in last year's playoff game against the Chiefs, he was he was unbelievable. That was one of the better performing performances we've seen from a Titans player in a long time. Uh, and then this one was just out of control. Um, so yeah, just hats off to him. Uh, that 99 yard touchdown run was I, I got goosebumps throughout it, uh, and I kind of still have them. That was just an amazing effort on his part um, and definitely a memory that, that I'll probably always uh, keep very tightly. Yeah, so it's weird because I don't want to diminish anything Henry did. I, 
but that's the guy like he should be in at least some portion. Like that's the guy who we're always saying, you know, you need to scheme ways to get him on the edge. But the reason that all opened up is because he was so physical up the middle. Like when he plays aggressive and behind his pads, uh, like he did on the third touchdown run, I think it was, he had four of them, but where yeah. he ran the, not the 50 yard, not the one yard and not the 99 yard. Uh, so the other touch where he just kind of dragged guys and guys were just falling off of him. Like when he plays like that, everything opens up like that. That game was truly spectacular. It, you know, to have an amazing play, like a historic play is one thing, but he also had another 50 yard run, like I said. And I mean, he just seemed almost unstoppable. He should have had five touchdowns. Like there's a good chance that if, you know, you're playing the way the fans wanted you to play, he has five touchdowns because he never comes out. Like, I I don't know. There's no other way to say it than he was just better than everybody else on the field. And it's frustrating because that's a guy, you know, it's not that he did anything that we hadn't seen before. That's the guy, you know, that you see at the end of games versus the Colts and the Texans where he breaks these 70-yard plays. And sure, you can say it's because the other team is in like, you know, either stop him or give up a big play, like that kind of defense. But it's all the same. You know, it doesn't matter if you have two safeties back or one safety back. If he's running full speed down the sideline at 240 pounds, 6'3", it doesn't matter if you have five safeties back there. They're all going to get pushed off and stiff-armed. Like, that that's just what he can do well. So, it's great. I'm so glad we saw it. It's just frustrating that we don't see glimpses of that more throughout the season. And I'm glad you bring that up, Will, because I want that to kind of be our, our topic and the question we answer based on this. That being, what's the appropriate takeaway from this for, for fans, for media, and for the Titans? Because obviously, Henry has earned himself with that insane performance more touches and more opportunities, right? But, but if you come out next week as the Titans against the Giants and you give him 10 carries and he's got 13 yards and it's the same guy that played weeks 1 through 13 – then this game is an anomaly, and you forget about it. I think it, I mean, it's all really dependent on Henry himself. I mean, every game, uh, but as long as he actually tries to be aggressive, be the aggressor in run, on runs, show a little bit of patience at the line, um, then, yeah, he should be getting 20 to 25 touches, but... It, it, it just throughout his career he hasn't been that cons- consistently that guy so uh, I think just out and give him 30 carries the next week we could we could easily see him if he gets 25 to 30 carries go for like 60 or 70 yards next week um and we're gonna be like well what is going on well, why is this happening um but I think it's completely dependent on him uh, also the offensive line played really well uh, last night, and I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, Henry actually had some holes to run through, um, which really hasn't been the case all year. Uh, we'll see if that continues next year, n- next week, sorry. Um, which it should, because the Giants don't really have a very good run defense whatsoever. Probably yeah. keep this going. Yeah. So, 
my takeaway is now you you don't build an offense around Derrick Henry, but you have to change it to where on ninety percent of the plays that are first and ten or really anything but second and long and third and three or more, Derrick Henry needs to be on the field. If for nothing else than just like a real threat in the play action game. Um, I think Deion Lewis is past the point of scaring you as a runner. I think I think he's a good receiver, but I think at this point that's And I just think what he's he, a good change of pace. Yeah, like sure, mm-hmm. but I, I would rather a change of pace just be a pass. Like I, I don't I don't want to run, you know, a smaller back in there because I think he can break off a bigger play. I would rather just use play action to give our running backs a break, if that makes sense. Like yeah. everybody throws around a change of pace, and and I get what they're saying. Like you want to have a guy who can do different things, but at the same time, with the way he's been in, running, like I don't I don't think that Deion Lewis is going to give you anything special on the ground. Like a change of pace where he tricks the defense might be him getting a five yard carry, and that's I, I don't I don't know. That's just I, I'm not I'm not as into Dare, Deion Lewis as the running back right now. Like I, I like him more as the receiver out of the backfield. So I think you have to have an expanded role for him, but I think your whole offense needs to be still based on play action, aggressive plays down the field to Corey Davis and now Taewon Taylor. And if they're given too much attention to the receivers, then give it to Derrick Henry. If they're given too much attention to Derrick Henry, then throw the ball. Like that's what good offenses do and now the Titans are at the point where they have two receivers who are kind of threatening, and they have a running back who's shown that he can run the ball at a very high level in perfect circumstances. So instead of leaning so heavy in one direction, be a truly balanced offense and use that to keep people off balance and take what they give you. Do you guys think that with Henry, because we talk about it a lot, it's as simple as him just, well, you know, in yesterday's game, he lowered his shoulder. And the other 13, he didn't. Like, I I know that's what it looks like. But from a logic perspective, I have trouble convincing myself that after sucking and hating his performance for 13 weeks, he all of a sudden just woke up Thursday morning and was like, I'm going to be good tonight. Like, I don't think it's that simple. Obviously, the protection, excuse me, the, the, the run blocking was better. But I don't. This is the hard guy to figure out. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of an enigma, isn't he? Really um, is. I, I mean, in, in terms I mean, of everything, his performance and just who he was as a prospect back when we were evaluating him during the pre-draft process. Yeah, like I want to say that that he comes out for certain games and, and really just tries harder. But I don't know. I mean, and the Jaguars narrative is kind of weird. I mean, he played good against them last year, but earlier this year he he was not good against them. He averaged three point two yards a carry. Uh, he wasn't getting anything on the ground. So I, I, I don't I don't think it's that. Um, but I, there has to be something at least to it um, because a, a lot of weeks of the season he just looked like he was going down so easily. The arm tackles were tripping him up. Uh, it didn't seem like he had any confidence in hitting his holes. Um, and I, I think probably since um, since the Dallas game, since the bye week, really, um, he's looked a little he's looked better for sure. Um, not like not like the third like the Thursday night game that that was 
that he was just superhuman. Um, but he definitely looked a lot better since the bye week. Um, and he really just wasn't getting all that many carries. Um, I just want to go back to one point that Will said about having him in on first and second down or maybe on obvious running situations. Um, him being better on the ground and, and getting some chunk gains, especially the bye week, it's opened up the deep passing game, and a lot of that comes from play action. Uh, in the Dallas game, we saw uh, Darius Jennings catch a, catch a long pass. Uh, we saw Taewon Taylor last week. Um, catch a couple of long passes. Corey Davis would have had a long, very long touchdown this game um, if I can't remember who it was. One of the safeties um, just held him. It, it would have been a touchdown. So uh, I, I agree Henry needs to be, be in there on early downs just for the sake of play action, but also because he's just getting more positive yardage than Deion Lewis is. Well, one theory I have about why Henry struggles is it seems like when guys get hands on him early, when he's trying to run inside, let's say a defensive tackle is still being half blocked by Josh Klein and he grabs out and grabs Henry's jersey, he seems to panic and start to move his feet around. And then instead of just you know continuing with the run or leaning into it, he tries to stop and pull out and find a different hole. And by then, defenses are fast enough in the NFL where they flow and stop him. I think... If that happens to him early in the game, it really hurts him and makes it hard for him to try to, you know, get into a rhythm. If he can go and have kind of a game like he did last night where it's like your first two or three carries are like five yards, three yards, you know, four yards, you know, good moderate gains, and he realizes, okay, I'm strong enough to go through these, then all of a sudden he's not afraid to hit a play up the middle which, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I think he's better on the outside. I think they have to find ways to manufacture that. But one of the things I think they really need to do more is that wildcat because yes. it, there's just such clear running lanes for him to go through, and he knows I'm going to go here. He very rarely has a negative play or a play that doesn't gain at least three or four yards. I think that should be something they do at least two or three times in the first half of every game if for no other reason than just to get him going and with the mindset of, okay, I can see the defense, I'm going to lower my head, and I'm going to get these five yards and get him in the right mindset. But, I mean, there's a million things you can do off that. They've got jet sweep motion. They've got Deion Lewis in the backfield. Uh, Mariota is at wide receiver, and he already has two receiving touchdowns in his career. Like, I'm not saying you do any of those things consistently. It should be 85% Derrick Henry runs in different, you know, gaps. But, I mean – it's not so easily predictable that you can just put nine guys on the line and immediately make a tackle for loss. But, I mean, if you find ways to get him going early where he doesn't, you know, have those three carries for one combined yard, like if, if he doesn't have that stat line, he usually has a good day. So, I mean, you never want to have to manufacture too much for a running back, but it's worth it if you get games even half as good as he had last night. I want to invoke a baseball analogy. And it will. You're going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Derek Henry reminds me a lot of a pitcher. And it's interesting because I remember when I, when I was with Titan Size writing, I wrote an article saying that Derek Henry needs to be the Titans' closing pitcher. But that was when DeMarco Murray was still here. But I want to take this a different route because the thing with pitching 
even the best of them, even the Corey Klubers and Clayton Kershaws of the world, who, if you're not a baseball fan, those are two of the very best pitchers, sometimes they come out and they just don't have it. You know, they come out and their pitch velocity is down. They struggle with control and walk a lot of batters. And oftentimes, by the fourth inning, they're out of the game because either their pitch count is up or the manager says, you just don't have it tonight, I'm going to take you out, come back next time, and you'll be okay. Right, Those are that's how it works for the best pitchers. And then you have middle-of-the-road pitchers who half their games, they're in that slumpy state. And then the other half, they're on. And they give you eight innings, and they hold the other team to one run, and you win the game. Derek Henry more than perhaps any NFL player I've ever seen, is like that. He has his days, and when he is on, he is on. When he's off, it's brutal to watch. That's a pretty analogy. Uh, I don't watch baseball too much anymore, so I'll give you a basketball analogy. Derrick Henry's kind of like this three-point specialist that – if they're cold on a certain night, they could go 0 for 10 from three-point range. But when they're hot, let's say Clay Thompson, perhaps, uh, they could go 8 for 8 from three-point range in a single quarter. So you never know what you're going to get. Usually it's going to be a positive outcome. But, um, yeah, it, it's just really frustrating. Um, but hopefully this this helps him turn a corner. Uh, I have my doubts just because we've seen this before. Uh, and we've seen what he reverts into, um, especially when when the line isn't getting a lot of a lot of traction, uh, a lot of push, and, and he just stops his feet um, in, in in like right in the middle of a pile or behind the pile. Uh, the play just kind of ends. Um, so if he could kind of get better at that, or maybe just hit the hole harder like he did in this past game, uh, I think him and the offense will just be so much better for it. Yeah, I don't watch baseball or basketball, but I do watch hockey. So it's kind of <laughs> like when a really good puck handler like uh, Philip Forsberg, you know, sometimes he tries moves and they work. Sometimes he dekes to the left and the defender just can't keep up with him. Sometimes he goes between his legs and the goalie just, you know, his eyes aren't fast enough. It's like everything he tries is working. And when that happens, you know, he can set up these really big plays and it's some of that is similar to Derrick Henry. You know, if he tries his bounce outside and it works, he's going to rip you for a 50-yard touchdown. You know, if he tries his, you know, that big step to the left and then a cut back to the right inside and there's a hole there and he hits it for seven yards, he's going to get confident that the linebackers are going to start freezing. So it's one of those things where when his moves work, they just work. And when they don't, they don't. Yeah, and I want to say this. I think the biggest takeaway – from last night, really for Henry, is confidence. Because as you mentioned, Matias, he was in the the utmost of slumps. And every week it seemed like he was in the locker room saying, well, I need to do better, I'm not happy with the way I'm playing. Mm-hmm. When you have a an all-time performance like that, it's got to boost your confidence. But we all kind of thought the same thing after the Kansas City playoff game last year. right? We were all kind of saying – this is the Henry we're going to see from now on. And then the very next week against New England, he was hot garbage again. So this is his second opportunity 
to take this good performance. And Mike Vrabel talked about this on Thursday, excuse me, on Friday morning. He, he said, you know, we've got to kind of find the line between confidence and complacency as a result of winning two games in a row. And I think that's got to be the case with Henry. Because I think last time that he had the good game, a week after criticizing himself, saying he need to play better, right, he had the good game. And then I think he got complacent. So here's your opportunity, Derrick Henry, to not get complacent, but to use it as a confidence booster and say, everything that I did, all the hard work that I did to make that performance happen, I'm going to do it again and be even better. Obviously, you're not going to be even better statistically, but as a player, I'm going to be even better. Instead of this, well, I'm set now. I don't have to worry about my performance for another couple weeks because I, I did this, and it's going to be a while before people forget about it. Uh, in the post-game press conference, no, not press conference, uh, post-game interview on the field, uh, he was definitely oozing some confidence. Um, he was pretty. He was pretty happy with himself. So I, I hope that does fuel him. Um, and now that he's at 712 rushing yards, uh, maybe just the drive to maybe get to a thousand rushing yards. Um, that that usually drives a lot of players. It, it's a number that a lot of players strive for. Certainly, uh, whenever they reach for him at this point. Yeah, yeah. With with three games left and running as hot as he is, um, it, it's possible. So I hope that kind of drives him too. Uh, a lot of players set that goal before season a thousand yard mark, either rushing or receiving. So um, hopefully that's another factor that comes into play. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us on a side tangent real quick because I'm looking at the numbers. Which one of these things do you think is more likely? Derrick Henry hits a thousand yards rushing, or he hits fourteen rushing touchdowns? He's at nine right now with three games to go. It's a thousand yard rushing. Just because five touchdowns in three games is yeah, hard. Because, I mean, yeah. you can you can commit to giving a guy the ball enough times to get those rushing yards up, but ultimately when you get in the red zone, it's kind of a crapshoot as to who actually scores. Yeah, but did, didn't he have, like, even – okay, let's not include this game. I think at the Jets game he had five touchdowns in six games because they're, like, force-feeding him on the one-yard line, and for whatever reason – we just always end up inside the three-yard line with first and goal. I mean, he gets those carries. I mean, that's got to be like 15% of his market share is he's just rushing inside the red zone. Like, he's going to get at least two rushing chances there. I don't I don't know. If I, you know, if this was – if you're in a fantasy league that for whatever reason – goes all the way to you know week 17 and they use point totals or whatever to decide who wins or whatever like i would have derrick henry for sure because i think he's got to be the goal linebacker for this team because we saw Deion lewis try and get just hammered they don't seem to want mario to throw it i think he's going to get at least three or four more touchdowns before the season's over i wouldn't be surprised the giants and the redskins have kind of fallen apart in terms of like run defense uh, and the Colts, the Colts aren't a good defense. That's just that was that game was an anomaly. I don't know what happened. And they Henry played fine in that game anyway. What did you say? I said they gave up six points to this Jaguars team, which doesn't sound like a lot, but to give up six yeah. points, to Cody Kessler, where you don't intentionally give him two points, and then <laughs> you don't have backups 
actually in and they catch a questionable touchdown on fourth and goal, like, I mean, that's a lot for a Cody Kessler offense. So, so Will, Will, since you bring that up, as we transition away from Derrick Henry, I, I do have a couple of, of substantive topics I'd like us to talk about. But let's quickly hit on this this Cameron Batson punt return. Was that the worst punt return in NFL history? Because other than the Travis Benjamin fiasco or, or debacle against the, the Patriots a few years ago, that one sticks in my mind. Yeah, I really don't like have a – a working memory of the worst punt returns. But, um, yeah, that was absolutely awful. I- I'm shocked he's still on the team, uh, honestly. But <laughs> it, it, just because we cut Nick Williams right after he made that egregious drop. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so it, it, I was expecting him to get cut. But I, I guess given our injury situation and just the, the wide receiver depth chart, um, it, it shouldn't be too surprising. But yeah, that was that was truly horrible. While it was happening, I was just I was just in I wasn't even mad. I was just just truly shocked by like what was stupefied. happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, well, "What are you doing? What is this? I don't I don't understand what you're trying to do." But um, yeah. I mean, clearly we need a new punt returner. Adore Jackson wasn't very good either. Uh, he just didn't make a, a boneheaded mistake like that. So I don't I don't know what the team is gonna do. Uh, no one else on the team seems to have punt return experience, so I, I don't know if you bring someone in or just put a Dory back there again uh, to get leveled and and not be burned. But I will see, I guess. I I'm not gonna do the whole like I told you so thing with Batson. Uh, <laughs> I, I was there for a Batson guy, and I even tweeted it after the first punt return, where I said, you know. They knew they had to take out a Dory, and, you know, Batson did okay on this first punt. Like, I'm tentatively, like, all right with this decision. And then immediately the next time he gets the ball, he, like, almost in, like, obviously not intentionally, but you could not have drawn it up with, if Jaguars, like, players could just make a player run somewhere. Like, he did the perfect thing. Not only did he run in such a weird, like, slow, stumbling way that he ended up, like, in the end zone before he could recover or, you know, before he wanted to set his feet and run. But he found a way to get right in the middle of every defender so that they could all collapse and hit him at the same time. Uh, I mean, it was just terrible. And I think this gives the Titans the worst combination of a punt return and a kickoff return with the, uh, oh, who the was Ray Nod. Yeah, Darius Raynaud. Wow, yeah. Is, so, like, I, I don't think any other team has had as low of lows on their special teams as the Titans have, which after the season we're going to have to talk about whether this is a good or bad special teams unit because well, slow, I mean, like, Hearn had one good punt last night but also has had kind of weird weeks back-to-back. Suck-ups missed back-to-back extra points. and Here's and, the thing with this. And this is kind of my view with the Mariota stuff, too. Be careful what you wish for. You want to go with someone else? That's fine. But there's a chance. Like, Mariota's a fine quarterback. I'll even say he's good. And and, and, and Brett Kern yeah. and Brett Kern and Ryan Suckup are, are good. Have they struggled this year? I, don't, I wouldn't even say they've struggled. I would just say they have not played to the level they have in years past. But you want to turn into the, 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 the Chargers or one of those teams that's a disaster in the kicking game? 
I mean, I think a lot of people get in their heads that they're just going to have Ray Guy, Adam Vinatieri, and Devin Hester, and Matthew Slater, and that's going to be their special teams, and anything less will not suffice, and people need to be cut. Sometimes it's just going to be average. And honestly, in that phase of the game, average is fine. What you don't want is terrible. So, yeah, I tweeted last night uh, about Suckup. I tweeted some, like, what what is going on with him? He's missed a couple of ATs in a, in a short field goal. And people were just, like, were just getting on me. Oh, so now Suckup is a bug. You're saying? No, I'm not saying that at all. But it's a bit concerning because he's been very good for us uh, for the past couple of years. Um, and, and it seems like he's going through a little bit of a funk. All that said, I wouldn't get rid of him at all because I don't this perennial loop that a lot of these teams are where they're signing multiple kickers every year because every kicker sucks in the NFL. No one is good. Who's having a good kicking season? Even Justin Tucker missed a point after attempt uh, that literally lost them the game. So I think Jason Myers it, is really good. Do the Jets Yeah, have. wow. He, he killed us. We have like five field goals. That was crazy. I mean, he's uh, always killed the Titans. Back to his Jaguars days. Yeah, it seems like it. But um, yeah, there's just there there aren't other options unless you like draft draft one and then the draft. But we saw how that how that worked out with Roberto Aguayo. Um, it, it's it's just not worth it. Well, let's talk about Taywan Taylor. Um, obviously, last week he had the two big downfield catches. But last night against the Jags, he looked very, very good. He was constantly getting himself open, especially on third downs. And he has become, over the last two games since he's returned from injury, a reliable target for Marcus Mariota. What is Taewon Taylor, I guess is what I'll ask. Is he coming into his own? Is what we saw over the last two weeks what he is and what he can be? Probably. Um, I, I don't know what his ceiling is at this point, um, but it, he's looked really good over, over the last two weeks. Uh, I, I wouldn't really blame him for that for that one drop uh, on the deep pass last night. I, I don't really think that was his fault. That ball was kind of underthrown, and he had to work back to it, uh, which he did pretty well, and it, and it would have been a tough catch, in my opinion. So I, w- I wouldn't place that blame on him. Uh, but he really has looked good. He's caught nine out of his last... Um, out of his last 12 targets, uh, which is really good um, for 165 yards, I think. So if he can be, I, th- I think what's more impressive uh, over these last two weeks, uh, he's always been a good deep gadget guy, you know, this guy that could get open deep um, and usually haul it in, uh, which he's done a much better job of, of recently. He hasn't had too many drops. Um, and we saw it in the Jets game, but but in this last game, he was he was beating the defense in these short to intermediate routes, um, which was really nice to see because we need that type of guy, especially with with Sharp being injured seemingly every week, just coming in and out of games, um, having really had that consistent middle of the field intermediate area kind of guy. So if Taewon could could be that guy in addition to being the deep threat, then we have a really good number two to go along with Corey Davis. Uh, and also, finally, in this last game, we got him going in the screen, and uh, and he was fantastic. I think he, he picked up two first downs uh, on a couple of wide receiver screens, uh, which he's shown to be very good at, like earlier in the year in the Texans game where, where he caught one and he took it to the house. So I like I like him. I, I still have uh, high... I, I don't know if he's going to be the ceiling guy that 
uh, a lot of us, or me in particular, thought he might be uh, coming out of college. Um, but I still think he could be a very serviceable number two or number three receiver uh, within a good offense. I mean, the question is, you know, what what is he or what is he becoming? I have no idea. Like, <laughs> it, this is the same guy we saw, you know, in the Philadelphia game who looked great and then who immediately followed that up with a fumble versus Buffalo and was a complete non-factor. You know, I, I don't know. Like, could he – Could I mean, you could tell me that he could go out next week against the Giants and he could have – four catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. And I would believe it. Like, I can conceive in my mind a way where he gets deep open so frequently that he gets, you know, a couple of screen passes thrown his way and he hits a couple of chunk shots. Like, I can see that. I can also see him having a two-catch, you know, for 13-yard day. But because – partially because I don't know what this passing game is right now. When they're aggressive, everything seems to work better. Um and when they're passive and try to take what the defense gives them, it just doesn't seem to work for whatever reason. Um, but, I mean, he's so inconsistent. It's just like the Derrick Henry thing. Like, I won't believe in consistency until I see it, and I just haven't seen it from Taewon. So, he's doing the right things. This is more than I expected the Titans would get from him the rest of the season uh, when he came back from his injury. But, you know – this is another thing that's, you know, going to cause questions long-term. Like, is Taewon Taylor going to be the number two receiver in this offense? Because if he finishes out the way he has the last two weeks, you can make that argument. It's just, can he find consistency? I think you, you hit it on the nose. I will say this, though. I think the way that Taylor and really Sharp have played this season warrant the Titans to, for a second year in a row, not draft a receiver. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, respond to that by saying uh. I think they need to go get a Golden Tate, a Tyrell Williams, someone like that in free agency, a veteran who knows how to get open. I think I talked about this last time, but I, I think drafting a receiver would be pointless because Sharp and Ta- and Taylor fill the young receiver role. What you're missing is that reliable veteran guy, and obviously Corey Davis is your number one thoughts yeah but i i agree i i don't think i would take a receiver early in this draft uh unless one they really like falls to them um but we'll see i i do like the idea of grabbing uh i definitely do think we need to bring in at least one receiver uh just a new a new face maybe two really because there's darius Jennings and cameron batson aren't they're not, I don't know, they're not really, like... Receivers. Le- yeah, they're not legitimate <laughs> they're NFL. teams players, Receivers. that's okay to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to say it nicely, but that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I do, I like the idea of bringing in a free agent, or maybe just drafting a receiver, maybe later in the draft, fifth, fifth round and on. Uh, maybe like what the Packers did, where they drafted Valdez Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown. Uh, they drafted them r- really late in this draft, and they've actually made some plays for them. Um, so hopefully we can get a player like that that could come and contribute if we don't get a Golden Tate or Tyrell Williams, like you said. And I'll say this too. I think especially this year when, when we're going into the draft process, we all can't sit around this year. We could, we had, we had I, I think, that luxury last year. 
But we we can't all sit around this year as as fans and and reporters and say, should the Titans trade up for X player? Because I don't think they have that, that luxury this year. I think they need all of their draft picks, and they need depth at several positions. I don't think this is a year... Unlike last year, like I thought they made nice choices going up and getting Cruikshank and, and, and Rashawn and, uh, and Harold Landry. But clearly this isn't a team that's like one player away from the Super Bowl. So I think you got to build and keep your picks. This is obviously way well in advance, but I think it's a conversation worth having. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There are a lot of positions where... If we don't have holes, at least we have depth concerns. Yes. Uh, wide receiver being one of them. Uh, and O-line might be one of them also. So I, I, I do think we need to keep our picks and, and maybe do a couple of trade downs um, and gather up some of the picks, I which is what Robinson did. that would be an interesting did. thing. Yeah, because he did that the first two years of his career as GM. John Robinson did. so, um, And he hasn't really been doing that. Well, he did last year he did the exact opposite. So... I'll be interested to see which direction he goes this year, and uh, it'll probably let us know how much he likes the draft class or not. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I going back to the original question, like, there's some wide receivers I really like in this draft class. So if all the good players are gone, like, if Brian Burns and Josh Allen, and th- there's a bunch of, like, good edge rushers, if the good edge rushers and good defensive tackles are gone, I would rather reach for a wide receiver that I like as opposed to drafting a center or a guard, even though it's a need. Um, that's just the way I feel about it. I think that has to do a lot, a lot with value, and we can talk more about it in the offseason. But, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you add a guard to this team, like, let's say you add a true starting caliber guard and you fix the inside of your offensive line – Levin goes to center and Jones goes to the other guard. I I think that makes them a better line anyway. Um, and you fix that with like Roger Saffold or something in free agency. And then you get Golden Tate as your wide receiver two. And you've got a possession wide receiver in Tate, a number one in Davis, and Taewon as your speed guy. Then next year you get Delaney back and you have Ferkser and Jonu Smith as your like other tight ends. I mean, that's pretty good offensively. If Derrick Henry shows he can be stable and be like a consistent, you know, good player in this offense, I mean, maybe he earns his RB1 spot. And then at that point, like, you know, if you've got a number one draft, like if you're looking at the draft and you're saying, okay, well, for whatever reason, Quinn and Williams got busted for smoking weed and you can have a defensive line with Quinnen Williams, Stree Finch, Harold Landry, and Jarrell Casey with Rashawn Evans and Jalen Brown behind them. I mean, I trade up for that. Like, I trade up for a really good talent. But that, that's so many different things. And, and I think, especially with the way this team is going, if this team finishes the way we want them to, I think we'll have a completely different opinion of them by the time the year's over. Uh, because... You know, if you go on a five-game winning streak, obviously something has clicked and your deficiencies don't seem as bad. But I think we'll know a lot more about this team in three weeks, especially in terms of what killed their season after this in-stretch run. (laughs) Is Luke gone? 
I don't know, Luke. What happened? Why? Why? Hey. Are they yeah, what are these recording? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> do you not see them in the chat? Yeah, I do. Like... My mic was oh. muted, but it didn't really matter because I wasn't really talking. Um... I didn't know how to follow that up. I thought you were getting hacked. Yeah, I was like, I like hear like boop 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 boop, like, <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> we so... delved into the trap. Just yeah, I know. Away. Like, just drifted into it. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> we 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 have a strong propensity to to do that. Yeah. Um. So we'll, we'll obviously look ahead, especially to the rest of the Titan season, more late next week when we preview the Giants. I do want to talk though about uh, the Titans' injury situation that they're faced with coming out of last night's game. There was some. I guess bruises, for lack of a better term, suffered by Vaccaro and Adore Jackson and Taylor Lewan. They all returned to the game and were fine. But players that I don't know what their status is would be Tajay Sharp and Brian Arakpo. Players that I do know what their status is, thanks to national media reports, would be Jack Conklin, who's done until at least January, it seems, and Jonu Smith, who for the second year in a row, his season will end with an MCL sprain. Yeah, uh, this is crazy to say, but uh, the, I think the Johnu injury is more of a hit. Um, he really started playing well over the last couple of weeks, um, and now we're down our top two tight ends, which is never good, especially in an offense that uses a lot of tight ends uh, or, or tight ends very often. Um, it, it, it's going to be t- tough to replace him. Uh, thankfully, Ferkser has played really well. Um, and Michael Pruitt, his, I, I know you guys don't care about PFF, but he's graded out as one of our better players on offense this year. He's a very um, good blocker. Partic- yeah, particularly in run blocking, he's been very good. Uh, he was on the field for a couple of the, uh, a couple of the long runs um, or good gains uh, last night. So uh, he's going to play a bigger role for sure. Uh, and he intrigues me because he's one of the more athletic guys um, out there at the tight end position in, in the entire NFL, um, and, and a lot of like uh, analytics people and draft experts really liked him. So uh, I'd be interested to see if he if his pass catching role grows as well. Um, and as for Conklin, he's been playing bad. He, he's had a tough year. Just on, I feel kind of bad for him. I would just I, I've talked yeah. about this before. I, I just consider this year a wash for him. I think he'll be fine next season once he has yeah. a whole off season under his belt to to practice playing because it's not just learning the new system; it's to practice in the new system. And I think he probably really uh, missed have missed in the sense that like you miss someone, he missed having that. Yeah, I agree. I think I think a lot of his weakness weaknesses were accentuated because of that mispractice time and, and having to adjust. Uh, to playing after after the injury, so I, I I wouldn't chalk this one up um, as what the season that's going to define his career. Uh, but thankfully, we have Dennis Kelly, who has been uh, really good this entire season and really good whenever he stepped in uh, for the offensive line. Pretty much, pretty much every year. So uh, the offensive line shouldn't really miss a beat. Um, which I don't know if that matters because they've played pretty bad in this last game. So uh, we'll see if they're better with Kelly in there. Yeah, I, I, it's hard because 
I, I said this last night when you know Johnny Smith went down. He's really improved the second half of the season, and, and I hate that this happened to him. But man, I just want to see more of Ferkser. Like he consistently seems to be open. He makes tough catches. He makes contested catches. I, I'm. I'm sad the way it happened, but I'm glad that he's going to probably get a bigger role in this offense. Just if for no other no other reason than they need the bodies to catch passes. Um, you know, it's weird. Conklin was having an okay night. You know, especially in the run game, like he was, you know, pulling not pulling, but running zone concepts and getting like a full gap over and hooking defensive ends. And you know, he was doing things that are hard for tackles to do, and he was doing them well. And I, you know, I, I didn't see the injury. I thought he just got pulled, and I, I tweeted it, and I was like, you know, it's really weird that they pulled him. He's done a good job all game, and then I found out he had a knee injury, and now he's out for probably the rest of the regular season. Um, it's it's tough. I don't, I don't blame him too much for this season, and I think he's done okay, but he just doesn't look comfortable in his pass sets, and he'll have to figure that out. But uh, Dennis Kelly has just as good of a chance to help this team as Jack Conklin did, so I, I'm not terribly concerned about that. The one thing uh, this that intrigues me about all this is we talked a while ago about Delaney Walker potentially coming back on uh, designated yeah. turn. I, I don't know the timetable he would have to work out with to play at any point, but if the Titans... If the Titans are allowed to pick him up whenever, at this point, I don't, I don't know that there's a downside to doing that now because you know we've already talked about how you can't get anybody else out, and it looks like that's going to be a position where you need bodies. Uh, go ahead and try to get him in the facility if he's anywhere near close. Maybe by the last week of the season, you know, versus the Colts, which is probably going to be their most important game. You have, you know, Delaney Walker in full. I, I can say he's in the facility. At least once a week at this point to get treatment. He is trying to get back. Yeah. Now, whether or not it's possible is one thing, but the Titans are certainly doing their best to explore that possibility. Which is is great information. Like I mean, that's, that's something they should be doing. It's good to know that you know they're using their tools at their disposal intelligently. It how crazy would you know Nissan Stadium be if it's week 17 the titans are 9 and 6 uh and, and all they have to do is beat indianapolis to get into the playoffs and delaney walker comes back and has like a 7 yard touchdown catch to win the game like i might cry cuz i would, love it would that explode. dude it would be the single most important moment that happened in that stadium like I, I, I was thinking to myself driving to the game last night. I'm like, I genuinely miss watching that guy play. Yeah, because he's so not not even just like because the Titans are better when he plays. Like just because like the dude's fun. He's good. Yeah, I mean he's a leader on the team too. Like other people gravitate towards him. I mean it's always been. When he's gotten involved in the offense, things have just worked better. You know, other people get open almost more because they're trying harder than because, you know, of some scheme change. It's just, I mean, he was the X factor in this offense. And I think that's a lot. I mean, I think we all know that's a large part. Those and that and the injuries, like, is a large part why the Titans offense struggled so much to start out the season and really 
have struggled to find any consistency is because unless they throw the ball to Corey Davis, I mean, it's a crapshoot whether you're going to run the ball well or catch or anything like that. The only person and you know, Davis has been forged through fire this season, but he's the only person who you can really depend on consistently. But that was Blaney's job. My fault. Yeah. Ferkser. Um, the star, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean like, that that was Delaney's job, and we all took it took it for granted. You know, we thought that this thirty plus year old tight end who was having a miracle season and was you know essentially rewriting all the rules on how older tight ends were supposed to play. You know, we took it for granted that you know he was going out and having eight hundred yard seasons and moving the chains when the Titans needed something, and not only doing that but doing all the dirty work too. You know, a solid run blocker, a guy who could flex out and play slot and do what he needed to do. It's it just. We didn't understand what we had until we were staring at six to eight weeks of terrible tight end play. So I think fans will appreciate him now. I think it'll help in the long run because I think it's made the Titans step out of their comfort zone. But, man, it just sucks not having that kind of guy in your offense. Mm-hmm. I think we've done an effective job of, of recapping this game. It was a good one to recap, too. Uh, obviously very good for the Titans. I will say this as we close. The Jaguars may have the worst offense in the NFL. Their quarterback is bad. The line's bad. The receivers are bad. And the running back's bad. What? Cody Kessler's way better than Blake Bortles. I disagree on that. I I disagree. I think Bortles is better. You're Uh, insane. Bortles is horrible. Kessler at least made a couple good throws. And? the pocket every now and then. Bortles just stands in there and which to be strip sacked. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're both so matters. bad. Blake Bortles, future backup quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. Give me Kessler. Give me Kessler. <laughs> Pray for Mariota's health. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back late next week to preview the Titans versus the Giants. Uh, Nice time off, not just for us, but for the Titans as well. They played 11 games in three days, and and that's tough. The the human body was not really made to play three games of professional football in 11 days. Uh, So much-needed rest for everyone. We'll see you guys next week. For Matias and Will, I'm Luke Worsham. We'll see everyone next time. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.